creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to Creative Pep Talk, a weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm Annie J. Pizza, I'm a New York Times bestselling author and illustrator, and I will be your guide on this creative expedition. Let's go. Some of the biggest, most important projects that I've ever done or the pieces that I've ever made were things that I almost forgot about. They were things that I started or I had the idea of or I did a sketch of years before I turned them into anything. My recent book that I made with my wife, Sophie Miller, Invisible Things, uh, was the first book I ever had that hit the New York Times bestselling list. And that's a project that I almost forgot about, I almost left behind, and didn't come to fruition until years and years after we had initially come up with it. And the thing about that is that it's pretty scary how easy it is to forget about or move on from or drop really, really important projects and important creative lessons and great ideas not because they're not worth pursuing, but because you just forget about them. Maybe I'm especially forgetful. I definitely am. But most creative people I know probably fall into this camp to some degree. So for the first episode we did this year, I announced a new series called Dreamuary, where instead of hitting the ground running, the second the ball drops and knowing your goals and knowing your dreams and knowing where you're going, We're going to take all of January to find our goals and intentions and give our tired selves space to dream again. This week, we're going to explore an important aspect of dreaming, processing Processing the past. So yeah, processing the past is maybe not something you think of when you think about your career dreams or daydreaming or you're just creative dreams, but you're probably aware that your nighttime dreams are often about past events that you're currently trying to process. Um, A lot of dreams fall into two camps. You're either processing past experiences or you're rehearsing future scenarios. And those rehearsing future scenarios are often the anxiety-induced, nightmarish ones because you're tr- you're trying to prepare for crazy things that might happen, terrible things that might happen, like missing a flight or losing all your teeth or being sent back to high school to take a final using a writing utensil that's actually a flying banana named Mark. Like, shout out to Marky Mark and the Flying Funky Banana Bunch, right? Dream people. Um <laughs> I don't know. But whereas our nighttime dreams naturally balance future prep with processing, digesting, and metabolizing the past, our daytime dreams often neglect this aspect. Like when you're daydreaming, you're mostly thinking about what could happen in the future. 
And while we might naturally find ourselves ruminating over past mistakes, that's not what I'm talking about. I find myself focusing much more on the mistakes of the past than dreaming about the past and processing the past and digesting and absorbing the positive things that have happened. Ruminating over our past mistakes isn't dreaming. That's not a dream. When you're sat in bed thinking about the one time you said the phrase crocodile tears to mean really big tears because you're a dum-dum and you didn't know it actually meant fake tears, that's not dreaming. That's a nightmare. But just for a second, let's pause and ruminate about how truly dumb you looked when you said that because good Lord, what a moron. Oh, you never said that? I guess that was me. Yeah, I said that. And I still think about how stupid I was not to, why did I just assume <laughs> that I knew what that meant? I can ruminate about stuff like that for days and days. But if we're learning to daydream from our night dreams, we need to see that our dreams of the past typically are the good dreams. They focus on the good and not just because of rose-colored glasses of nostalgia and everything back then was so great. It's not that. Your dreams from the past are often positive because it is focusing on what's ripe to learn from. And we're going to do that before we just rush into this new year. I like how I said that last bit like I was your creative dad. Like, we're doing this whether you like it or not. We're going to do some past daydreaming. Come on. It's dreamuary, baby. Well, let's do this. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, 
All one word, all uppercase. So I once read about a dream study where they were seeing how someone playing a skiing video game right before they go to sleep might dream. And they reported dreaming of times as a kid when it snowed and they'd be stepping into these pre-existing footprints already in the snow from someone who was there earlier. And uh, and they were doing this to kind of avoid getting their, getting their pants wet or their legs wet. And sure, it's like a nice slice of life thing, a bit of nostalgia. But at the same time, it's your dream It's your brain knowing that your past is ripe with lessons. Your dream is saying, if you put your feet exactly where they were before, you're unlikely to get cold feet or freeze at all. It's reviewing the tape on what it knows about snow because you're working on this skiing game. And it's trying to see if it can give you anything to help you get an edge on what you're working on today from the stuff that you experienced in the past. Your dream brain knows that ruminating on the past is not likely to help you, but learning from past experiences to help you face current problems today is super useful. And that's how we're gonna daydream today. So let's take a look at last year and see what we can take forward into the new year. Boy, did I learn a lot of things last year. And you probably know what that means. It was a difficult year. It was a, it was a tough year. We had almost no routine. We spent half the year trying to launch this book and the other half of the year traveling for the book. And we also had moved right before that and we're doing housework. It was just a, a ridiculous year and it was difficult in a lot of ways. It was great in a lot of ways, but uh, I'm glad to be in a new year. And I think being excited to get past that year has a potential pitfall, which is I may be so excited about moving forward that I leave behind essential things in the past. It's kind of like when you take one of those giant Wampin mega vitamins that your body can't possibly process and you don't absorb any of the goodness, like that's what it can be like. And maybe you're thinking, hey, I'm not going to forget anything that is essential. And maybe you won't, but I definitely would. And I have many times. I, I leave behind essential things all the time. And it could just be ADHD, I'm particularly absent-minded, but when I rush from one thing to the next and I jump from the old year to the new year in a flash, and when I get up and mindlessly rush uh, forward, I can easily leave behind essential things. That's why every time I stand up and move on from anywhere, I have to mindfully think phone, keys, AirPods, because I am liable to leave behind physical essential objects that I can't live without? And how much more likely am I going to drop lessons and ideas and essential things that I went through 
in the abstract, right? So before you head into the next steps, let's pause and do some digesting. Let's pause and do a metaphorical phone, keys, AirPods for the things that happened that were important from your previous year. And I can feel the need this year for some serious levels of digestion and metabolizing. A lot happened last year. It feels like content just started getting, being forcefully injected into my freaking veins from from the internet. And uh, I've got mental indigestion and you probably do too. So Dr. Pizza, who's not a real doctor, is prescribing you a fresh prescription of creative Pepto-Bismol to metabolize some of those crucial ideas from last year's episodes. Creative Pepto-Bismol has not been approved by the FDA. Terms and conditions apply. Creative Pepto-Bismol may induce feelings of jazz and pep likes which you have never been experiencing. This coupon only works in participating subways. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I thought it could be good to take the 12 pieces that made the cut for our Creative Pep Talk calendar this year and go through each one and just kind of review what the lesson from each episode was. So we'll go through all of these. And just a heads up, we are sold out of our calendar um, it, it went really fast, went faster than last year. We only order so many because they are not print on demand. They're printed properly from our print sponsor, Jack Prince, who creates these calendars right here in Ohio. And um, they make this calendar possible and we love working with them. So if you have print needs, be sure to check out Jack Prince. They uh, they do really excellent work and um, couldn't be happier with the calendars and posters that they've helped us create over the years. So massive thanks to Jack Prince. Okay, I'm going to go through each one of these pieces of work, read the lettering that's in that piece, and explain the idea that was in the episode that was central to this piece of work. And this will just act as a review of all the stuff that we went through last year. Okie dokie. Here we go. I've got the actual calendar. Hear that? Right in my hands. We're just going to work through it. I made, I named this calendar Create Your Happy Place because that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I think uh, we've been through a lot and it's time to, to ground ourselves a bit. And um, yeah, that's kind of my wish and hope for 2024 is to find a routine again and all that kind of stuff. Okay, first one, maybe my favorite of the calendar. It's close. January's says, listen to yourself. And first of all, I'm just going to say, this is one of my favorite illustrations ever. It is a wave in the ocean listening to a shell. Get it? <laughs> Clever. You, know, I can, you can hear the ocean in a shell and he and, uh, it's listening to itself. Um, I, lo- I love that illustration. And the idea behind it is essentially one of the topics that we talk about most on this show, which is the notion of taste and listening to your own taste. 
I honestly think that taste and creating with that as your true north, like getting high on your own supply, like loving the stuff that you're making, making sure that you're tasting as you go, as you create and listening to the impact of what that work is having on your own self. Like one of the things that I think about a lot is how I once heard Amy Poehler asked if she watched her own shows, like watched Parks and Rec. And she's like, yeah, like what What the heck? Am I going to make comedy that I don't think is funny? Like that's the whole idea is that you're coming from a place of this is what I think is good. And we've heard, you know, people like John Early, who was just on Mike Birbiglia's podcast, Mike was asking him questions about the show, his new special that he just put out. And that special, I haven't watched it. I'm sure it's super absurd and uh, crass, um, knowing uh, John's work on some other stuff. But uh, knowing it's that absurd means that the only way to make that kind of work is through intuition. And a lot of creators talk about intuition, but I think there's a piece that comes before that, which is your taste. It's the thing that informs your intuition. It's not just you having a feeling like I should do this. It's doing something and then tasting it. And your taste is the receptivity, the depth of the profile of flavor that you can detect in something. And that's why I think the creative practice starts even before you ever make anything and when you just become a fan of stuff because that's both informing your palate, but also giving you an idea of the kind of things that you want to create. And so listening to yourself, what that's about is how are you going to ask anyone to listen to you if you won't listen to you? If you won't pause and think about like, what do I think? Not what does the world want creatively, but what do I think is good? Especially the stuff that people maybe are overlooking or or aren't aren't getting a lot of play recently. So that's what that's about. Number two, February. Let's turn the page. Find something big enough for your whole self to sink its teeth into. And we have the three-headed mythological dog with a dog collar that says mind, body, soul. And uh, I really like this piece. (laughs) The three-headed dog, I like it as this uh, image of the three parts of yourself. And this episode was all about finding work or goals that really hit on the Venn diagram of not just something that will pay the bills, um, not just something that maybe pleases an audience, not something that you think you're good at, but also something that you are deeply passionate about. Moving into the new year, this is a really good reminder for me because when things can get a little bit rough, when things have been a little bit uh, of a struggle, um, I've had to focus on promoting some past work and it meant that I didn't have as much time to do the stuff that pays the bills and I didn't have as much time to get sponsors for the show and when I get into that place, I can start thinking, all right, now I got to think about money. I got to think about business. I got to think about all that stuff. And that's all really important. But I think 
for me, it's always been true that I have to balance that with something that is just fresh fire, something that is just makes me get out of bed in the morning. And actually, if I'm completely honest with you, today was the first day in a while where I have finally broke through and found something that I am pumped about and I got out of bed. I woke up five minutes before my alarm and I was ready to move. And honestly, I'll tell you, it was my Substack that I just started, andyjpizza.substack.com. And um, I am freaking excited about this. And it was a long journey to figure out what am I excited about? What could I get excited about? And the truth is, what I ultimately found out after ruminating for months is the only way I would be sure that I was excited about it was trying it. And so I've been trying a lot of things. And one of the things I suspected might be an interesting thing to try out is Substack, but I didn't know until I started doing it and I was feeling that fire and enthusiasm. So it's a good reminder for me too. Number three, let's turn it to the third month of the year, March. Be part of something bigger. And we have a kind of Megatron, uh, like Power Rangers, Megazord thing where all these... <laughs> art materials and, and uh, instruments and such have come together to create a giant robot collaborative thing. And uh, also a big fan of this. This is definitely speaking to my boyish interests when I was a kid. These are the kinds of things I was obsessed with. It kind of has a Mega Man vibe mixed with a um, Zoltron thing going on here. Be a part of something bigger than yourself. This episode is all about how I had to learn this the hard way. When I was in high school, I got into theater because up into that moment, it was my dream to be a comedy actor. I made a lot of home videos even before you had videos on your phone, people. That's how old I am. We would do it on VHS and it was a huge pain. And, uh, but it was a lot of fun and we'd make tons of really ridiculous videos. And, um, I always wanted to get into like acting and performing, but I wasn't really, uh, I, I wasn't brought up on theater. Now, nowadays I've actually become a pretty big fan of musicals and, and theater, but I wasn't at the time. And so I never thought about or never really wanted to do theater, but eventually I thought it's the only expression that I have access to. I'm going to go try to do some of the plays. And I was really focused on, because it was something important to me, I was focused on getting the lead part. I wanted to try out and try out for the lead role. And I did three of the plays that were not musicals. Um, two of them were really little plays uh, as part of something bigger. But I did three plays and I got the biggest part in the play. And the thing that I realized was the best part of the entire experience were the cast parties after the shows. And I actually mourned the fact that I had went for the lead part, and I'd focused all my energy on playing the biggest part, when in reality, the best part was playing a part in something bigger than myself. 
And this is an idea that we're probably going to focus a lot on this year because I have been increasingly interested in the heroine's journey uh, as a kind of counter journey to the hero's journey. I think they're both important. I think we go on different versions of these at different parts of our lives, just depending on a bunch of factors. And the thing about the heroine's journey is, whereas in the hero's journey, you're going for being an individual, finding yourself, kind of the healthy development of the ego, the heroine's journey is much more about finding your place in the world, not finding your place as an individual, but finding your place in the community. And that's what this experience was for me. And I've been feeling the need to do that in my creative work now, today. I've done a lot of work trying to make my way in the world as a creator, but doing things like the book Invisible Things as a collaborative process with my wife is was a little bit just kind of happened, but also it was an active engagement in trying to approach this work, not so much about what it can do in terms of my glory and ego, but more in terms of how it connects me to other people. And I think it's important to remember that ultimately, as social animals, I think everything we do comes back to connection to other people. And when you're making art, it can be easy to forget that. All right, next one. Here we go. Quit blocking the flow. That's April. And we have one of my characters from my Invisible Things project, Love, and he's accidentally standing on the hose and blocking the flow without realizing it. And <laughs> um, quit blocking the flow. This is about how we can block ourselves and the joy that we get from creating. And we run, we kind of dive deep into how there's this idea of it takes 10,000 hours to master something. And that level of mastery, that's where you unlock the flow state. And that flow state is the happiest you can be as a person, supposedly. Uh, suppose, um, according to Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who wrote the whole book about it called Flow. And, uh, and that's kind of bad news in a way because it kind of sounds like 10,000 hours. That's like years and years before you get to experience the joy, the, the highest level of joy of being a human. But in my journey, I've found that, yes, it might take 10,000 hours to master your instrument or a particular medium, but you can master a very tiny thing very quickly. And it makes me think about how when I first started drawing, the thing that got me into it was I saw a, a, my cousin do this hack to draw a Ninja Turtle head with just a couple shapes. And I was like, that looks amazing, and I could do that. And I could, I mastered drawing a Ninja Turtle head, an abstracted kind of Paul Randish minimalist <laughs> Ninja Turtle head in like 10 seconds. And it was a freaking blast, and I drew a million of those things. And I think the reason why this is important to not blocking your flow state and your, your joy as a creator is because... In this exploration on flow, they say that you need a balance of mastery and challenge. 
And in order to feel flow, if you're going to get into flow and you've never drawn before, I'm telling you, draw Ninja Turtle heads for hours. You'll have a freaking blast because the balance of mastery and challenge needs to be about 90-10 or 80-20. You need to not overdo it on the challenge side. And so you need to break down that 10,000 hours into little pieces that you can do right now. When I first started in my illustration practice, I focused on just using a few colors at a time. That was why doing screen printed band posters was such a good move because I, instead of trying to master color theory, I was just trying to master how can I get a couple colors down that will look right together. And just build from there and build the positive momentum. If you're trying to master the art of drawing from day one without ever having wins, without ever feeling the joy of flow, you're going to give up before you start. And so, again, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, making sure that the process is fun. All right. Move on to the next one. We got May. I'm really proud of this calendar. I hate to say that because it is sold out. But this one is a hamburger guy. who's <laughs> I'm so proud of my hamburger guy. And it says, don't try to be everything to everyone. And it's a hamburger that's got a dead fish. I mean, it's better than a live fish if you're going to eat it. But a fish, a burger, a banana, pizza, ice cream, all kinds of stuff. All good things separately, but together make a kind of a nasty looking hamburger. And it's the idea of don't try to be everything to everybody. And this is an idea we talk about on the show a lot. I think that there have been times on this podcast where I've felt the pressure to fall off the rails and go deep into creativity for creativity's sake and lose sight of the fact that this is about creative practice. This is about uh, even a creative career. It's about the process from idea and creative identity all the way through getting it into somebody's hands and making a connection and potentially even making a sale and then potentially even rolling that into a side hustle or a, or a full-on career. Like that's what this is about. It's about the creative side and the practice side. And it's easy for me to want to lean into every different side and especially the sides of creative practice that are most celebrated from the critics um, and, you know, and avoid the topics that are maybe the, the least sexy when it comes to business and all that kind of marketing stuff. But ultimately, I've had to let this show be what it is. And the same goes for my creative work. I think you have to be willing to uh, polarize people a bit and and not get hung up on making something that every single person loves. All right, that's May. Next, we got time for a refill with June. It's time for a refill. It's a little slushy guy. On a, it's a slu- It's like a cup. <laughs> I love. I've never done this in the episodes before, and I'm having a lot of fun uh, trying to describe these pictures because they're so silly. But it's a cup, a slushy cup on a slushy machine like you see at the gas station, and the three flavors are life, art, and rest, and he's doing a mixture of all three of them. My kids call this gamer juice. Gamer juice. When they, when they go to the soda machine 
um, and fill up on every single one in one cup. My son says that's gamer juice. He's like creating his own soda for gamers. That's trademarked, by the way. Just did it. Not really. But don't steal it. That could be his whole future. Time for a refill. Life art and Reese and Reese. Life art and rest. Um, Reese's PCs too. That that's a good refill. Uh, but wouldn't make a good slushy anyway. Does make a good blizzard anyway. Time for a refill. This is all about the fact that as a creator, you got to be mindful of filling up. You've got to be. You got to realize that you can't put out more than you're consuming. And I just had a really good conversation with a future guest all about this idea where it's easy as a creator to think that you are you don't need to be a consumer. And it's also easy to think because we're constantly consuming online content that we're getting everything we need. But you know that's the junk food. You got to dig deeper than that. You got to crack open a book. You got to watch some cinema you got to find some stuff that hits you on a deeper level than just scrolling. And I think that's really essential. That's June. All right, July. I actually think this is my favorite piece in the whole thing. I always make my favorite piece of the calendar. <laughs> so dumb. I always make it July because July's my birthday month. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Is that a cancer thing to do? Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not in on the uh, astrology stuff, but it seems like a cancer thing. Anyway, let go of what is no longer useful. One of my all-time favorite analogies that I've ever thought of is the idea of how a multi-stage rocket, you know, like when NASA's sending people up into orbit or to the moon or whatever, supposedly. Just kidding. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I just don't. Who cares? Just shut up. Who cares? Do we go to the moon? Do we not? Why? Why? Anyway, multi-stage rocket is the only way you're going to get there, whether we did it or not. And that whole idea is that the thing that gets you off the ground has to be left behind to get past the atmosphere. That rocket has to blast off with one engine, let that thing fall to the ground with a parachute, and then move on without it. You have to let go of things that were working before. You know, when you're a creator, finding anything that works is a heck of a challenge. I freaking get it, man. I had things that I was like, oh, I found a thing and it's working and yay. And then all of a sudden, it's the thing that's holding me back. It's costing more fluid in the engine to keep it connected, then it is propelling me forward. And so that whole episode is about subtraction. We re-released that episode over the holiday season. Yeah, I'm really proud of that. And I think it's a good thing to remember because creators more than others, uh, it's so hard to find something that works in your style or in your creative practice, like a, you know, getting momentum on a different platform or whatever it is. When anything works, we have a really hard time, or at least I do, letting go of it ever. But sometimes that's the thing that's holding us back and keeping us from breaking through um, to those, uh, you know, next clouds and stars and all that. All right. August. Blaze your own trail with a little snail 
who's got a um, he's blazing his slime trail with his his shell is a gasoline tank, <laughs> and he's got sunglasses. Okay, he's an arsonist slug of some kind. And uh, what what is he teaching us? What is what does he mean by blaze your own trail? The idea in this episode was about how often as a creator, I get into these scenarios and I hear other creators get into this problem often where we get to this fork in the road and we don't know whether we should go that way or we should go this way. We don't know whether we should create a podcast that is a business podcast or a creative podcast. We don't know whether we should do a coloring book or focus on doing something about indie rock. We don't know whether we should do a nonfiction book or a fiction book. And it's not so much those forks in the road that are easy decisions. They're the ones where no matter what we do, we can't move forward. We, we don't know, we have these two very different styles happening at the same time. We have these two really different paths before us and they both just seem really, really compelling. And often in my own journey, I've, I've come to realize that those moments are not a time to choose one or the other. It's time to dig the median. It's time to create a super road like Kramer and Seinfeld where he gets rid of the highway uh, lane markers and just creates this super wide highway. That's what creativity is all about. And I've had to train my brain to realize that when I feel like it's either or, that's the left side of the brain. That's the dualistic side of the brain. That's the side of the brain that says everything has to be this or that. But the creative brain says yes and thank you. Can I have another? Can I have both at the same time? Can I just erase the superficial boundaries? And then in reverse, it's easy to see an indie rock coloring book works fine. It's easy to see a creative business podcast works fine, even though that highway didn't exist before. And so that's a reminder to you that if you are facing a fork in the road that seems like two distinct, totally different things, it might be worth exploring what it could look like to do both at the same time because that is what creativity is. And when you're looking at it in the rear view mirror, it'll be the most obvious thing in the world. In fact, tons of people will jump on board and try to do the exact same thing that you did because now it just makes so much sense. But when you're actually in it, it feels like this is an impossibility. These are two different things. How could they be one thing? That's a remix, baby. That's the whole idea. All right, August. That's August. September, snooze yourself, lose yourself. And this is about how easy it is to forget who you are. It's about how when you don't actively, for instance, everyone dreams, but not everybody even remembers their dreams. And part of the reason is because the more you ignore them, the more your brain says, instantly throw that in the trash. It's like a meme I saw where <laughs> it's a printer that's printing straight into a shredder. That's what we do with our dreams. 
And so your brain is just like, all right, I'm not even going to bother. But if you start writing down those dreams, research says if you write down the dreams that you do remember, you will start to remember more. And the same is true for who you are as a person and who you are as an artist. If you forever just throw that stuff straight in the trash, throw that intuition, throw that idea straight into the trash, you are likely to lose it completely. If you don't use it, you lose it, that idea. And what I've found is when I read books about writing jokes or stories and I'm actively participating on a regular basis with that habit and I'm actively journaling and doing morning pages and, and trying to tap into who I am and, and, and value that, that my brain says, oh, you want that? Okay, I'll move the shredder and we'll start stacking that stuff up. And um, that's just a, a good reminder to not ignore those impulses and intuitions. October, I always try to do a spooky one if I, if I have it. Uh, I don't always do spooky illustrations. They're usually just a tad spooky. Uh, this is a cool skeleton guy. Don't tell. If you're an art director at Nike, um, his boots are definite. Those are knockoffs. They don't, they don't even have a real swoosh on them. Um, but it says, dig yourself. And I'm proud of this one. I like this idea. That's what I, I, I told you, I was, I'm really proud of this calendar. If like all the ideas and the illustrations are symbols and, and good kind of analogies, I, I feel like I'm getting better. <laughs> and I'm really, you know, 15 years into being an illustrator uh, for, for a, a living. I think I'm getting it. Uh, dig yourself. Okay. Dig yourself. This is about how you have to be the one that believes that there is gold in that dirt, that you are not going to ever find your style, your creative identity, your sensibility if you don't start digging. And you're not going to start digging in the backyard randomly when you don't think there's anything back there. You have to believe there's treasure. And I think that's always true. And this kind of goes back full circle to the first one, which is who's going to listen to you if you don't listen to yourself? Uh, if you don't value your thoughts and observations and your inner world and, and your ideas, no one else is going to, and you're not going to put in the work. Moving right along. November. Don't let your past haunt you, which is kind of We've got little Pac-Man ghosts. Again, if you've got the art director at Atari's listening to this, is Atari still a company? I don't know. I don't think so. But just in case, uh, it's not. It's a knockoff. It's not really Pac-Man. He's red. He's not yellow. Anyway, uh, it's a guy. He's playing at the arcade, and the arcade machine says, "Don't let your past haunt you. Focus on what you can control." And the little Pac-Man ghosts say, "Mistakes, failures, regrets," and they've turned blue, so he can eat them. Um, whoever this little pie chart guy is, definitely not Pac-Man. And uh, <laughs> I, I love using symbols that are kind of pop culture crap. Like uh, there's something about that that feels right um, because that's that's what I am on the inside. This is about uh, you, you control the little pie chart guy. You don't control the ghosts. Um, you... You need to focus on just getting the points and and doing what you can and not worrying about the mistakes and failures and regrets that have happened in the past. I think in this episode, we did a little deep dive into some determinism, which if you're not a nerd for stuff like that and you don't geek out about this idea, determinism is just 
this philosophy that a lot of really smart people have that say that the universe, the the Big Bang and and everything after that is really just dominoes. There's no, you know, if you think about, well, I just thought this, I just chose to do that. But you chose to do that because you just heard me say this and you chose to do that because of the chemical makeup of your brain and and what's happening in there. And that's a, that's a domino that was set up five seconds ago. Like, I personally am not a pure determinist, but even the most staunch determinist believe in an idea that says we are, even if we don't have as much free will as we think we do, or if we have very, very little free will, what we do have is a a brain that is essentially hardware that is open, that we have a open system, meaning it's kind of like Nintendo 64. So you might not know. If you open up a Nintendo 64 game, it's a video game system if you didn't if you're not a millennial. Uh, if you open up one of those games, they actually have different size microchips. And so as the system got older and matured, if you will, the games also got better because part of the capabilities of the particular game weren't just about the system, but how big the microchip was in the cartridge. And so we're kind of like that. If you look at our world is just constantly growing and, and evolving at this exponential rate, but our hardware hasn't changed much in 200,000 years, maybe even more than that. And, and that however, doesn't hold us back because we are open systems that we might not be able to enact free will as much as we think we can, but we do have an ability and a choice to stay open to new ideas and upgrade our system. And that's one of the reasons why I have made it a vital part of my practice to read every day and read stuff that's challenging, that's different, that's new, things, ideas I've never heard of and stay open to them because it's really maybe all that I've got is put new information in there, set up new dominoes in that system because I don't get to decide as much as I think I do. And so that's something I can control. And also determinism is good for your past regrets because determinists would say, people that don't believe in free will would say, you did exactly what you would have done every single time you were in that moment, given the things that were in your brain and the circumstances you were in. And so even though I'm not a pure determinist, I do think that that mindset is really healthy and positive for moving past things that you did in the past that you regret. That brings us to our last day. The December Art is together. We can go anywhere. And it's a little guy riding a shark with a dog in his backpack and a hawk on his head. That means they're like an all-terrain vehicle to get together. They can fly. They can swim. They can do it all. And this episode was all about how you might have a voice in your head that says, you know what? You just don't have everything that it takes to get where you want to go. And often we say to that voice, shut up, voice. You're wrong about that. But in some ways, they're right about that. 
because getting to where you want to go is going to require collaborations. It's going to require more than just you. And I don't know if I dove into this much in that episode, but I'm going to use this moment to say I think it's vital. I think it's incredibly important to collaborate. There's no way forward without it. There's no thriving practice. There's no satisfying journey without some level of collaboration and connection to other creators and an audience. But I don't know if I've had space to kind of open this up on the show, but I'm just going to take a moment to say, be careful. There are people out there. There are narcissists. There are, um, you know, unwell humans, egomaniacs, manipulators out there in the world looking for vulnerable creators to take advantage of. And so, yes, you don't have everything it takes to get where you want to go. Yes, you need to prioritize collaboration. But yes, also, yes, and be careful. Um, You know, create healthy boundaries between you and your work and your work and other people. Create space to get to know people. Make sure that you don't overly scrutinize these connections because you can work with people that aren't the best people in the world. You can work with people that um, maybe don't completely have your best interests in mind as long as you have the mindfulness to protect yourself. Okay, so a little bit longer than most of our recent episodes, but I hope it gave you a lot of different things to think about as we went over all the stuff we explored last year. Your creative call to adventure today is a pretty easy one. You take those 12 ideas, and if any of them particularly stood out to you, you go find that episode in the show notes of this episode, and you go review it. You go listen to it again, and maybe there'll be something that helps you take action and helps you find exactly what you're looking for in this new year. Now, for those of you that have stuck with us this far, I'm glad you did because the last bit I want to say is actually my favorite part of this whole episode. Uh, In some ways, my last year, the year before 2023, was a little bit trash. And it was also really gold. There was some big breakthroughs, but it was a hard year in a lot of ways. And I had to deal with a lot of things that I didn't want to deal with. There was a lot of cleanup to do. I had to take out the trash, but it was worse than that. It was like taking out the trash in the middle of the night with PJs on and there's a huge snowfall like that kind of taking out the trash. We were just dreading doing some of this stuff. And I spent a lot of time dreading these things in that freeze survival state. And I spent half a year with cold feet, too frozen to act on what I knew I had to do. But guess what? I will have to take out the trash again this year. There will be things I have to take care of. You know, I'll have to deal with business problems, hard conversations again and again. That's just part of the process. Week in, week out, you got to take out the trash. And if I can learn anything from myself last year, if I take time to review my biggest life lessons from last year, 
Taking out the trash this year doesn't have to be that painful. Why? Because if I use the lessons from last year and I use the same steps that I took, if I put my feet exactly where they went in the previous trips that worked, that were painful to the trash bin, I'm likely not to get cold feet or get frozen at all. And that is the power of using those steps in the snow that you already went through. That's the power of reviewing the tapes. And I hope this review of the previous year of the show was really helpful to you. want to give a huge shout out to our print sponsor for the calendar. Uh, I'm really happy about this product and even happier and more grateful that it sold out as quick as it did. Wish we had more so that I could be telling you to go grab one of the calendars right now. But um, either way, uh, this was made possible by our fantastic print partner who is in Cleveland, Ohio and um, has just done a lot of great stuff for us over the years and we get our posters by them and they just they just do really good solid work and if you're looking for some print stuff some apparel stickers posters whatever go check out jack prince j-a-k-p-r-i-n-t-s.com thanks jack prince thanks jack prince.com Creative Pep Talk is your weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I'm a New York Times bestselling picture book maker and illustrator for clients like Apple and Xbox. I pep talk teams at creative hubs like Warby Parker and Sesame Street. And I make this podcast because as someone with ADHD, it takes a whole lot of creativity just to get out of bed in the morning, let alone attempting to try to create a thriving creative practice. This show is just me sharing the things that seem to be helping me in case it helps anybody else. Shout out to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music and soundtrack. Huge thanks to Connor Jones of Pinning Beautiful for sound design and editing the show. Massive thanks to Katie Chandler, Ryan Appleton, and Sophie Miller for podcast assistance of all kinds. And thanks to you for listening. Until we speak again, stay pepped up.